we've been looking at the, the Lord's Prayer, or you can call it the Disciples' Prayer, because this is what the disciples asked. When the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, he said, pray like this. And so he's teaching the disciples how to pray, and he gives them, which I love, is a really simple prayer. <laughs> teach us how to pray. He's like, here, use this. It's like four sentences. And we can go off of that. Obviously, we want to pray. God's going to lead us to pray in, in multiple different ways. But I just thank, thankful to the Lord that he keeps things simple for us. And so the first week, we, uh, I forgot to get the clicker. Um, we looked at the first line. It says, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so we talked about how he's our father collectively as brothers and sisters in Christ, that, that he's in heaven. He's not on the earth. He's not like our earthly dads. He's not, he's not, a, he's not a regular man. Jesus is, is the man God. So he, he's perfect and, and without sin. But we're talking even about the father, knowing God as father, not just sometimes it's easier for us to relate to Jesus or maybe even the Holy Spirit. We have a hard time with the father because of maybe some issues we have with our earthly father or something like that. And so God wants us to know that he's our father, that he's your father, he's my father, and he knows us intimately, just like a, a good father knows his children. And then we want to revere him and submit to his leadership in our life. And that's part of, if you're a son and you're living in your father's house, you learn to submit to your father's leadership. And as you submit to your father's leadership and, he, and your father trusts you, then he starts entrusting you with the family business. He starts letting you administer the kingdom. And, and so we, but it, you first have to learn how to submit and, and obey the Lord. It's the, it's the, and we don't ever stop doing that. It's always to the, our last days, we're going, to, we're going to be obeying the Lord and whatever he leads us because he's never going to stop being our father. The second week, we looked at um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we looked at two aspects of the kingdom of God that one, number one, it's accessible now. And so we've, you know, our church is familiar with Bethel, with Bill Johnson's teaching, and he had, you know, a super impactful book called When Heaven Invades Earth. And we actually went through that book at Convergence in 2005. It's been around a while. But Bill's book is about how heaven can come right now, heal sickness, deliver people, bring breakthrough. And, and that is true. The he heaven will break through to earth and manifest in these tastes and these pieces, but it's not the fullness. It's not the fullness yet. And so we, we live in a kingdom that's now and not yet. And so we can, we can bring, we can, heaven can touch earth, but it's, it's really just foreshadowings and taste of ultimately what the kingdom of God, when Jesus rules on the throne, is going to look like. And so we pray for that. We pray for sickness. We pray for God's kingdom to come. We pray for people to be delivered. But we're also looking for the king. And so it's very scriptural 
to, to long for Jesus to come back. How many of y'all would say your longing for Jesus to return has increased in the past two or three years? Raise your hand. That's the Holy Spirit doing a work in the church because in 1 Corinthians it says, Paul's admonishing the Corinthian church and then he says in, in, at the end of one of the chapters, Maranatha, which means it's Aramaic for come Lord Jesus. And then you have at the end of Revelation, the spirit and the bride or the spirit and the church say, come. Yes, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And then Jesus says, I'm coming quickly. And so it is biblical to be looking and longing and expecting the return of the king. You read Isaiah, you read all the prophets and even in Deuteronomy and Numbers, I mean, there's prophecies all throughout the Old Testament. The, Jew, the Jews of Jesus' day, that's what they were looking for. They were looking for the Messiah to come and establish a physical kingdom that would rule over the nations of the earth because that's what the word of God says. So when Jesus says, I'm the son of God, I'm the Messiah, that's why people were welcoming him into Jerusalem saying Hosanna to the king. They thought he was coming in to overthrow Rome. They didn't know he was coming to die on a cross. But you have Psalm 22, you have Isaiah 53 that talks about the suffering servant. You have Philippians 2 that says, because he died, because he offered himself as a living sacrifice, because he came as a servant, that is what qualified him to be the king of kings. Because there had to be atonement for sin. God understood that. And so Jesus came not only to, and he's going to rule from Jerusalem. There's going to be a great revival in Israel. Israel, you read in Zechariah chapter 12, they're going to see Jesus and they're going to recognize when he returns that he is the one whom they have pierced, that he is the Messiah. He was the one all along. And there's going to be a great turning of hearts even that when Jesus appears. And so we're, Jesus is telling us, look for my kingdom to manifest right now, but also look for me to return in the clouds. That's a whole other thing. What does that look like? What does heaven look like? What does the millennium kingdom look like? A whole other thing. It's juicy, and I'm trying not to go there. And so... So the other part of the, of the prayer that he teaches them, he says, give us this, our, our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors, and lead us in, not into temptation. I'm, it's hard for me to even read this because it's not the way I memorize it. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so we, we start with daily bread. And, and this statement, when Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, the Jews, the Israelites of Jesus' day, what would have, when he says that, what they would have thought of as the manna that came from heaven. Daily bread. How many of y'all bought a, a loaf of like French bread from Publix that they, that they baked that day and like took it home? And All right, the next day, is it hard as a rock? Yeah, it's fresh bread, right? It's fresh bread. It doesn't, it doesn't last. 
And so manna was the same way. You know, manna would go, manna would rot if they didn't, if they left it on the ground. But when Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, they know that he's talking about provision, that, that God would provide for them. Because it's a, it's a need. God is not like, uh, he's not ignorant of our needs, like the needs that we have physically, financially, emotionally, spiritually. He knows all these things that we need. So he's not, and that's why when we minister to people, a lot of some of the best ways to minister to people is just meet their needs. Hey, what do you need? You need some food? I'll give you some food. You need some clothes? I'll give you some clothes, you know? And so we meet people's needs. So Psalm 78 verse 24 says, he rained down manna upon them to eat and gave them food from heaven. John 6, 31 our fathers ate the man in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. And then ultimately, Jesus says this about himself. You know, that manna you ate. He says, I'm actually the living bread that comes down out of heaven. Verse 51 here, that last scripture. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also, which I give for the life of the world, is my, is my flesh. And so when we... We're asking God for daily bread. We're not just asking God for physical provision. We're asking him, it's like, God, I can't, I can't live without you. <laughs> I, need the, I need the sustenance of your presence. Like, I need, I need you. How many of you, whenever God, you know God has spoken to you and he's encouraged you in some way, that whenever, when he's spoken to you and he's encouraged you, that you just feel like you've just got like a, like you ate a big meal and, and like you're, you're like ready. You've got plenty of energy. You've got strength now. Like when strength is coming to you. How many of you have ever felt that way? Like when God's come to encourage you, like you've, strength has come to you, right? But that's why he's, that's why he's the daily bread. And so we're meant to get strength from God every day. And it doesn't have to necessarily look like a, uh, you sit down and do a quiet time, even though that's, that's great. What it means is, is can, we, can we do what we're doing daily and stay in his presence? Can I go train people and stay in God's presence and, be, and stay in communion with him? You know, can you do your job and stay in communion with him and listen to him and just take those windows? And it's good to be still. God tells us to be still. And so, so, so finding those windows where you can be alone and you can be still and you can just listen and all the distractions can go away. It's super helpful. But, but also God doesn't want us. I remember one time I was in Fort Worth and um, I had like a Saturday. Jessica had gone with some girlfriends to go do something. And I just I spent all morning with the Lord, so it was like three hour devotional. And I was like really kind of proud of myself in hindsight, looking, looking back at it. And I was just like, man, I had a really good quiet time. That was awesome. And you know, filled up pages of my journal and read a bunch of scripture. And I was like, yeah, got a lot done in that quiet time. And, and when I like closed my journal, I remember the Lord very clearly saying, Travis, I just want you to know your quiet time doesn't end here. So, and, and sometimes, if, even if we have times with the Lord, we can be like, 
okay, I've had my time with God. It's over here now. Now I'm going to go on with the rest of my day. I got that done. Now I'll go do this over here. And we don't take the Lord with us. And so that daily bread is just abiding in him. He is the one that is the bread out of heaven and gives us strength. And then forgive, forgive us as, as we forgive. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is saying, uh, he's telling the parable of the master and the wicked slave. And he says, then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And the debt that he owed was like $100 million. I mean, it was like outrageous amount that the master forgave. And then the, uh, the slave didn't forgive. It was like $100 equivalent, something very small. Verse 33, should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. So Jesus also says, you know, forgive. Actually, right after the Lord's prayer, he says, you'll be forgiven. Basically, I'm paraphrasing. You'll be forgiven as much as you're willing to forgive. I will forgive you to the degree that you forgive whoever's offended you. And so that doesn't, that's not like a necessarily a salvation issue. It's an abundant life issue. And, and this Matthew 18 passage is telling us to basically the level of unforgiveness or bitterness we have will also be the level kind of like of torment. And I'm, and it's not an exact, I'm not saying everybody that's suffering with something is, oh, you must have bitterness. But I have seen people who have not been able to get healed. They've, been, they've had lots of people pray for healing for them that the root has been a, a bitter root of some kind. And so it's, it's always case by case as the Holy Spirit leads. But Jesus is saying there is, there is torment that comes with bitterness. There's torment that comes with bitterness. God is, he loves us. He wants to see us do well. He's just, he's saying, you need to forgive so you won't be tormented, right? And um, the devil traffics in bitterness. That's what he's full of. He's full of rage and bitterness. And so when we are partnering with that, we're partnering with death. We're partnering with the devil himself. And so you've heard this said before, probably unforgiveness or bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Uh, in Matthew 18, earlier, verses 21 through 22, Peter said, Lord, if my brother sins against me, how many times shall I forgive him? Up to seven times. And seven was the number of completion. And so Peter's kind of coming to Jesus is like, hey, is this the formula? Seven times? And Jesus says, no, I'll tell you up to seven times 70. And Jesus is, which is 490. And he's like, basically as much as, it, as much as it takes to get free. And so a lot of times forgiveness is not just like a one and done deal. You keep forgiving. If, that, if, if the hurt 
comes up, you forgive. And then Jesus also says, bless your enemies. And so you can say this, if there's somebody that's hurt you and you're walking through, working through forgiving them, one of the other things I believe the Lord wants you to do is bless them. And so Jessica and I, we've practiced that throughout our life where we're, we're in the process of forgiving someone. We, we not only forgive them, but we're blessing them. Lord, bless that person. Lord, bless them with wisdom. Bless them with your presence. Bless them with anointing. Bless them. And it's really hard to be bitter at somebody when you're blessing them. But that's another part of the, the process of getting your heart healed and moving on and, and being able to uh, not harbor bitterness. If you're one hint that you're harboring bitterness is if you make up speeches in your head when you are wanting, you're thinking about coming, it's like, if I come across this person, what will I say? If you're making up speeches, you probably have some unforgiveness because you're like preparing, you're trying to like guard yourself in some way. few more scriptures. Jesus said, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have forgiven, if you have anything against anyone. Anything against anyone. You hate your neighbor because the dog never stops barking? Forgive your neighbor. You know, you hate it. I'm not, I'm not calling anybody out in here. Um, if you have, and so it's it's just anything, and it can be like little small things. God wants those little foxes, those little things to, somebody cuts you off. I've done this. Somebody, you know, cuts me off in traffic, and I feel that thing rise up in me as, Lord, Lord bless them, forgive them, I forgive them. And it's just, it's not a major offense, but I still like, all right, I'm going I'm to release this person. <laughs> Sometimes where I haven't released Josiah's holding everybody accountable this morning. <laughs> So he says, verse 26, but if you do not forgive, neither will your father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So we forgive because we've been forgiven. And if, if you know, it's, it's, it really is a good rule. It's like if Jesus can forgive me, then I should be able to give forgiveness to others. And then uh, verse 13, which is lead us not into temptation, which is just kind of like hard to understand a little bit. The Passion Translations says, rescue us every time we face tribulation. God doesn't tempt us. James chapter one says, God, he doesn't tempt us. And so lead us not into temptation is basically is you can look at it as don't let us fall. Don't let us like keep us upright. Don't let us fall prey to temptation or rescue us every time we face tribulation and set us free from evil. For you are the king who rules with power and glory forever. So why do we seek God to rescue us and deliver us? And he gives us the answer right there in that last line. Because he is the king who rules with power and glory forever. So we're not just saying that as like just kind of something nice and elegant to end the prayer. We're saying it because we're reminding ourselves of who God is. For the, because you are the king. 
to whom all glory and power is due forever. It is yours. And so what is the ultimate fulfillment of this request, of this, of this last statement? As I mentioned before, it's Jesus returning. So what, else, what I want us to do is just take a few moments. And we've done this before, but this is one of the things that we actually, uh, the Winships talked about, is just doing a heart check. You know, every now and then we do a heart check just to say, God, is there anyone that I have unforgiveness towards? And you might, he might bring up somebody that you haven't thought of in a while, but you might have some unforgiveness towards them. And it's, to me, it's not some kind of shameful thing. It's just God wants to set you free. Unforgiveness holds us back. And so I just want us to take like two or three minutes. The Lord brings up some, or Three, three to five minutes, the Lord brings up somebody to your mind. I want you just to forgive them and bless them. Say, Lord, I ask that you bless them. Bless them in your wisdom. You know what they need. Give them everything they need for life and godliness. And, but forgive that person and bless them. We're going to just take three to five minutes to do this. You know, forgiveness, I believe that forgiveness is what birthed the Apostle Paul. And I'll explain what I mean by that is that Stephen, when he was getting stoned, the mob that was stoning him was led by Saul, who would later become Paul. And just like Joseph was talking about, even releasing forgiveness in your workplace, Stephen, as he's getting stoned, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Just like Jesus prayed. Paul was the one, and so, he, so Stephen forgave Paul. And it, it's like it, God, it, it, it's like it took this shield of blocking God's blessing off of Saul, or, you know, at the time. But I really believe that that forgiveness is what enabled God to move in Saul's life and become Paul because somebody forgave him. And, and when somebody offends us, it's usually, I mean, think about it. If, if we had a full revelation of Jesus right now in our midst, how many things would we be like, I'm not doing that. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to turn away from, like, if we had a full revelation, I mean, if people, they don't know what they're doing. And um, I was at a, a friend or a family member. They were getting certified in uh, uh, massage therapy. And the, the, serve, the whole ceremony was very like new agey. And I was like kind of just, this was 20 years ago. And I was like, man, this thing is so new agey. And... And I just was like judging and condemning and the Lord, I remember the Holy Spirit spoke to, to me so clear. He said, we all like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way. And I knew it was like, yeah, my son just didn't look like that. 
but I definitely sinned. I definitely had to come back home to the Father. But even just releasing forgiveness in a situation um, is powerful. So thank you all for sharing those testimonies. Um, and I want to, part of what Jesus told us to pray is pray for daily bread and pray for provision, but as well as his presence. And I feel like what the, the word of the Lord is, is just like Katie, Katie obeyed the Lord by forgiving. And what came was provision. And so if you need like breakthrough in your life in, in, in provision, I, I feel like the question to ask is just like, God, what do you say about my situation right now? And what do you want me to do? And he may give you some answer that's not even related to finances. <laughs> He's like, this thing over here is holding you up. This is what's limiting the breakthrough or whatever. Or he may give you some kind of wisdom in your finances. But I feel like those are the two questions to ask. And so, Lord, I just, I just want to pray for us over our finances. And then we have the kids are going to come down real quick. Lord, I just pray right now that you give us the wisdom that you show us. Lord, first of all, your heart to provide for us. And Lord, that you would just show us what is the next thing, Lord? How, what do you want us to know about our situation and what do you want us to do? So give us heavenly wisdom and understanding, the Lord. And I just pray, I just bless everyone here and everyone that's not, that's not here, Lord, that this part of this, this church family. Lord, I bless them to prosper, mind, soul, body, and spirit. I bless them to prosper in their finances. And I bless them, Lord, to, to be given that they may give, Lord, that you would bless them, that they may be blessings. And I, I just pray for a generous spirit, God, a generous spirit to be over us, Lord, that we wouldn't try to self-preserve and self-protect, but Lord, that we would be known for our radical generosity. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.